And we're back! Today you're gonna get introduced to the main character of this series and get a little taste of the magic that is the Eversong. Thanks again to AC Salter, Adrian, uh, like I said, we met on Twitter and it's just, he's a, uh, seems like a really great guy and I want you to go and check out his stuff, go follow him on Twitter, it just takes a click and uh, see what he's up to. Check out his other work, it's, it's good stuff and if you enjoy this, you're definitely gonna wanna buy the book and uh, get the whole story. But really appreciate him allowing me to bring you this sample here and just uh, spread the word about what he's doing. So now, without further ado, I give you Eversong. Chapter 1. The Song The sky above Gloucester was dull and grey, much like the city itself, and much like Elora's mood. She sat with her backside growing numb on the cold stone bench in the city centre, fussing with the frayed hem of a denim jacket and working a thread loose. The grating sound of the tone-deaf busker nearby played on her nerves. Even the people passing by gave him a wide berth, as if he exuded a harmful disease instead of music. In truth, he gave neither. In search of distraction, Elora's violet eyes picked out a pale maple leaf as it tumbled across the street. At the mercy of the wind, it danced over the shoppers and tourists before catching in the frame of a coffee shop window where it flapped as if struggling to free itself. She could free it, she mused concentrating on the leaf to take her mind away from the painful noise. Air was the easiest of the elements to manipulate. That's what her uncle Nat had told her when she was a child. Closing her senses to the city life, she focused on the leaf. Taking in its sharp edges, its brown stem, brittle skin and veins, pursing her lips, she gently hummed the rhythm of the wind. She felt it on her bare arms, a light breeze playing in short waves and swirling randomly about the cobbled street, as she hummed, she matched the wind's rhythm, altering it imperceptibly and raising it ever so slightly in pitch. Never taking her eyes from her target, she enticed a thin tendril of air towards the leaf, picturing in her mind the leaf coming free, released from the window frame, and dancing once more upon the breeze. It took a moment for the leaf to react, and when it did, the movement was subtle, a gentle tug in the opposite direction that may have been her doing, or it could have been a natural eddy where the wind reflected off the glass. She was about to apply more pressure when a hand suddenly fell on her shoulder, snapping her out of her reverie. "'What's got your attention so hooked?' came a gravelly voice. Elora was so wrapped up with her attempt at freeing the leaf, she hadn't realized that the singer had ceased his wailing and had come over to join her. A glance back at the window showed that the leaf had gone. Whether it was by her doing or not, she couldn't say. "'Nothing,' she replied, irritated. "'So what do you think? Am I improving or what?' It can't be long before I'm spotted for the talent that I am. He slouched beside her, laying a battered guitar across his lap. It was definitely something, she reassured him, and it was something, just not the something he thought it was. She had met Ben last summer, when she had first tried her hand at busking. He had stopped her halfway through a song and demanded that she find her own spot to perform. An argument had ensued, but Ben had a permit from the council, and she didn't. Luckily, she had stayed long enough to hear his dismal attempts at singing, which sounded like a cat being strangled. If his aim was to sound bad, then he had succeeded. She listened until he had finished torturing the song and his audience, then struck a deal with him. She would restring his guitar and let him strum the chords while she sang, and they'd split the takings. Doubtful at first, he had soon acquiesced when he found that they were making enough money to buy more than a cup of tea. But a few months on, he was still determined to go solo, refusing to give up his dream, and giving everyone else a headache. Ben counted the change in his grubby cap, stubby fingers pushing the four copper coins around. 
They're a bit on the stingy side today. Don't think we've even made enough for a custard slice. He stuffed the miserly change in his pockets. Real shame them being so tight. I had plans tonight. He flicked the low E string on the guitar, causing a dull thrumming sound. It was out of tune again. Elora nodded, waiting for the inevitable question. Real shame, she agreed. Ben scratched his unshaven chin. Of course, when we stick to the usual numbers, we never make that much. It was true. The public could be hard-hearted when it came to buskers. The weather could make a difference. People seemed to be more generous when the sun was touching their faces. But those facts were obvious, and she already had an inkling where Ben was going with the conversation. Unless... No, Ben, not happening, she said before he could even ask. But we made a killing last time. No. We made more from that one song than we made all summer. He strummed the guitar, its sound grating through her and doing nothing to help his argument. No. It wasn't that she didn't want to sing the song. She enjoyed the thrill it gave her. It was the consequences she didn't like. The last time she sang it, Nat, her uncle and sole guardian, had found out, and for some reason he had thrown a furious tantrum about it. The song was in a language only he understood, and according to him, it had dangerous powers. She couldn't say whether she believed it or not. It certainly influenced the people listening. They became silent, and more importantly, generous. And she did feel something odd when she sang it, but powers? What on earth did her uncle mean? She turned back to Ben. Why so desperate? We've had low takings before. Ben glanced forward, picking up the guitar scratchboard. Gonna be a dad, aren't I? The missus told me last night. Said it was about time I got myself a proper job. He shrugged his shoulders. Thought if I came home today with a tidy penny and some flowers, she might let me carry on busking. That's amazing, Ben. Congratulations. But you know she's right. Maybe it's time to grow up and move on. But your singing is shocking, and not in a good way. Ben looked hurt, and she felt a sudden pang of guilt, yet he needed to hear it. He must realize, surely nobody could be that deluded. There was a long silence while he seemed to take in her words. Then he seemed to brighten. What's up with you, anyway? You've got a face like a slapped horse. Nothing, she answered. The truth was that Elora had worries of her own. Her uncle Nat was acting strangely, even more strangely than usual, and he was an extremely strange person to begin with. However, she wouldn't discuss these things with Ben. She barely knew him, and anyway, she wasn't planning on staying in Gloucester for much longer. After a moment of awkward silence, she gave in. Fine, I'll sing it, but not here, and not to keep you in the job. Your missus is right. You really need to get yourself a proper one, but I do think you should take some flowers home. She smiled at seeing his scruffy face lighten up, and felt her mood lift. Elora's footfalls were light as she led the way from the busy city centre, the tarmac giving way to flagstones, then to brick pavings, and finally to stone cobbles. This was the part of Gloucester she liked, away from the drab modern office blocks and shopping malls, towards the cathedral, where the ancient buildings seemed to belong to a different world. Passing through a narrow cobbled pathway, Elora caught a reflection in one of the quaint shop windows. Her long jet-black hair was tied back in a simple ponytail, but the shock of blonde had somehow worked its way loose, and hung beside her face in a single, unruly lock. It never did as she wanted, always coming loose and falling beside her face, as if not wanting to touch the black strands. People thought it was dyed. 
maybe some kind of a goth thing. But like her deep violet eyes, she was born with it. The alley gave way to a small car park and a neatly tended green with trees and benches. Ahead of them, the cathedral suddenly filled the skyline. It was a beautiful building, although unsightly scaffolding clung to it in places where the stonework was being cleaned. Thankfully, the cathedral close was quiet, with only a few men at work on the scaffolding and an elderly couple eating sandwiches on a bench. Normally, for busking, she would have chosen the busiest part of town, but for this performance, she preferred it quiet. Standing with her back against a wall facing the cathedral, Elora retuned the guitar and then began to play a chord, picking gently at each string. The song was one she had learned from her late mother. She had only ever heard it once, years ago now, when she was back in her old village. She could only have been about two or three at the time, barely able to talk, but somehow the song had sunk into her, every word, every syllable of it lodging deep within her memories, although she had no idea what any of it meant. When her village had been wiped out in the war, the local language died with it. Only Nat knew how to speak it, and he thought it pointless to teach her. Why learn a language if there was nobody to speak it to? He had a point, but it didn't stop her asking what the song was about. Nothing she need worry herself with, her uncle had explained. She never did find out what it meant, but sang it all the same. The words tumbled from her mouth, matching the pitch of the guitar perfectly. The song had a gentle melody, rising and falling steadily like the rhythmic waves of the sea. The elderly couple sat up, heads turned toward her, half-eaten sandwiches discarded and smiles forming on their faces. The workmen on the scaffold downed tools and turned to look down at her. One was about to whistle something, but the sound died on his lips as he turned towards her, intent on listening. Elora felt a tingling sensation rising from her stomach and a ripple through her lungs as she sang. It was the same thrill that she felt the last time she sang the song. It felt like static, like magic. Another couple emerged from the alley beside her. Two women, their chatter silenced abruptly as they halted. They pulled their pushchairs to the side so they could listen, conversation forgotten. Within the short time it took her to reach the second verse, people had emerged from the cathedral, a small group of tourists escorted by a cathedral guide, all of them standing still, listening. From the corner of her eyes, Elora noticed Ben sidle around at the back, cap in hand, seeking offerings from the gathering crowd. The words continued to spill from her, taking on a momentum of their own as she sang the familiar melody. The song was sweet melancholy, a moody mix of doleful sounds that played on the emotions and danced upon the heart. She would give anything to know what it was about. Probably some sorrowful love song, but you didn't need to understand the words to get the feel of it. Amongst the crowd, several people were dabbing at their eyes, and one of the workmen seemed to be affected. Elora held her audience captivated. Nobody spoke or moved. They were transfixed to the spot, as if she had somehow hypnotized them. Even the seagulls that were a perpetual nuisance in the city had ceased squawking and remained silent, perched and observant from ledges and rooftops. Maybe there was some truth behind what Nat had said about the song. She was glad he couldn't hear her. Luckily, he would be on the molly now, a Dutch barge moored up on the canal some five miles away. Finally, the song came to an end, and the last notes on the guitar gently faded away to nothing. A deep silence filled the air for several heartbeats before the sounds of the city returned and the small audience seemed to wake from their trance. People broke from their stairs and seemed shocked to find themselves standing where they were, puzzled looks on their faces before they gradually drifted away. On the scaffolding, work resumed, albeit in a more subdued manner. The tourists and guide went back inside the cathedral and the elderly couple began to chat once again, 
their sandwiches abandoned on the grass, where they were soon spotted and pounced on by the seagulls. Ben approached, jingling his cap in his hand. He was beaming now. That was brilliant. Thought it was good the last time I heard it, but that, that was something else. Made a tidy little sum, too. Here, he said, offering her the cap. He always gave it to her to count out and share the money. She shook her head. Keep it, Ben. She smiled as his eyebrows furrowed. With a baby on the way, you're going to need more than flowers. You sure? There's got to be more than a hundred quid here. He emptied the contents into his hand and stuffed the coins and note into his pocket. Elora nodded and handed him the guitar. So what now? He asked, slinging the guitar over his shoulder. You get a job, become a dad, and settle down. No, I mean with you. School's finished, so you got any plans? Got a trip planned. Me and Nat are taking the barge over to France and across Europe. We're heading back to Croatia. The trip will probably take the best part of a year. The molly plods along at a snail's pace. You sure she can make it? He asked, scratching his beard. She's a tough old skiff. Nat had the engine serviced in the summer, so she's man enough for the job. Well, good luck with that. Gonna be a bit of an adventure for you. Good luck yourself. Having a baby, eh? Now that really is an adventure. Ben leaned forward and surprised her by giving her a rib-crushing hug. Gonna miss you, he said when he finally let her go. Same, she replied, and realized that she meant it, although she wouldn't miss his singing. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They said goodbye and she watched him disappear down the alley, giving her a mischievous wink as he slipped from view. She headed in the opposite direction, towards the docks that led to the canal. The grey clouds had thinned, allowing the afternoon sun to spill through in patches, casting fractured patterns on the canal. Two swans glided gracefully on the dark water, keeping pace with her as she sauntered along the grassy bank, leaving the city for the quiet meadows and the barley fields that surrounded Gloucester. Thoughts of the trip at the forefront of her mind. Elora had been pestering Nat for years about taking her to visit their homeland, even though her village in the foothills of Croatia no longer existed. She and Nat had arrived in Britain as refugees from the troubles in Bosnia when she was five. Nat, her mother's brother, had smuggled them across the border on a cargo ship, hidden in a steel container. From Bristol docks, they'd headed west for London. They got as far as a service station on the motorway, some thirty miles from Bristol, before the authorities picked them up. After three months in a detention centre, They were released with legal immigration status. Within a year, she had started school, and Nat had found a steady job. A fresh new start, a new life free from the shadow of war, and even a new name. 
After a mix-up filling in the papers, her second name had been replaced with the name of the service station. She was now known as Elora Delamere. It was easier keeping the name than going through the trouble of changing it. Besides, Nat had never told her what her real second name was. Her mind elsewhere, and enjoying the sun on her face, she was startled as a hand came down on her shoulder. Reflexively, she spun, pivoting on her heel and raised a fist. A tall man staggered back, arms raised in defense, and wearing a shocked look upon his face. Sorry, didn't mean to startle you, he said, keeping his arms raised in surrender. Dressed in a dark suit and shiny shoes, he looked out of place on the riverbank. Elora guessed him to be in his late twenties, maybe thirty. Can I help you? She replied, still clenching her fist, yet letting it drop to her side. She wasn't really a fighter, and had never attended martial art classes, but she had a fiery temper, and once released, somebody was going to get hurt. I heard you sing just now, at the cathedral. Elora watched as he reached a hand into his pocket, and retrieved a business card and handed it to her. She didn't recall seeing him amongst the crowd, but then again it was quite busy. Nice eyes, by the way, the man remarked. Contact lenses, she said. It was her standard reply. She got comments about her eyes so often that the lie came instinctively. The name's Reuben. I work for a man who would be extremely interested in hearing you sing. He's got good contacts in the music world. Elora eyed the smartly dressed man suspiciously. Sorry to disappoint you, Reuben, but I won't be around for a while. She glanced at the card. On it was an image of the earth embossed on a white background with a dark shadow overlapping one half. Underneath was a phone number printed in black alongside the name Silk. That is a real shame. Mr. Silk would have been smitten. Are you sure I can't persuade you? Uh... There was an awkward pause while he waited for her to volunteer her name. Elora. He flicked a silver coin with his thumb as he talked, catching it in his palm, then flicking it again. Why not come along for an interview? You're exactly the kind of girl he's after. And what kind of girl is that? She asked, watching the coin as it spun in the air. Reuben smiled, but Elora noticed his eyes were calculating, shining with an untrustworthy cunning that put her on edge. She was a good judge of character, and her impression of him was less than good. A voice like an angel, and the looks to go with it? He replied, slowly eyeing her over. Elora laughed. How many angels have you seen with black hair and violet eyes? Maybe a dark, goth angel then, I don't know, but I'm sure he's going to love you. She shook her head. No thanks, but if I come back, I'll be glad to give you a call. She watched the silver coin flick end over end before landing in his palm. Tails, he chuckled. Looks like it's your lucky day. If it had been heads, I wouldn't have taken no for an answer. Elora raised an eyebrow. He would have been swimming in the canal if he hadn't taken no for an answer. Really? What kind of businessman decides on the toss of a coin? She asked, slipping the card into her pocket. Always leave chance with a small hand in any deal. He gave her a wink. I'll see you later, then. Elora watched him leave. There was a small shadow of doubt at the back of her mind. Had she been too hasty? By the time she had turned and continued her way home, she had decided that she would prefer the trip over anything. Besides, if anything didn't work out, she had his business card. As she neared the molly, she spotted her uncle out on deck, leaning against the cabin, hand resting on the tiller, waiting for her. A deep frown was drawing his wiry eyebrows together. She shoved her hands into her coat pockets. 
fighting to hide the guilt that rose from the pit of her stomach. Surely he couldn't have heard her sing. Gloucester Cathedral was more than five miles away. He had gone ballistic when he heard her sing the song before, pleading with her to never sing it again. She couldn't understand why. It was only a song, after all, and she'd sung it with good intentions, but simply by looking at the way he stood, frowning down, told her that he somehow knew. You heard me sing, right? She asked, sighing. Nat's solemn face turned to her, blue eyes alive with hurt and anger, yet he kept silent. I'm sorry, Nat. I know you asked me not to sing that song, but what harm can it do? It's only a song. She readied herself for the rebuke, waiting for the scorching words that when they came would pierce her ears like the last time. Maybe if she kept quiet and didn't argue back, it would be over in a few minutes. Let him have his say, show how sorry she was, and then move on. Job done. After another minute had passed, Nat was still frowning down from the barge, and she was still standing on the bank, waiting. Maybe he wasn't going to shout at her after all. She folded her arms, the silence growing more uncomfortable by the moment. This was worse than him ranting and raving, and she hated it. Say something, then, she said finally, breaking eye contact, but wearing a frown of her own. She stepped aboard the molly and slipped past him to the cabin door. As she was about to disappear below, Nat grasped her firmly by the wrist. That song is dangerous, Elora. You shouldn't go meddling with it. Nat's voice was firm, but it wasn't the venomous outburst she was expecting. Elora turned to face her elderly uncle. He suddenly seemed frail in a way she hadn't noticed before. He was old, she knew that. Must be well past sixty, probably close on seventy. She wasn't sure exactly. They didn't celebrate birthdays, and she wasn't even sure when her own was. Sometime in the spring was all Nat had told her. It's just a song. She tried to pull her wrist free, but Nat held it firm. You don't understand. I don't understand because you refuse to tell me anything. You don't explain why it's dangerous. You won't tell me why we live on this stupid boat. You won't even tell me about my mother or my life before we came here. She could feel her temper rising, her blood getting hot. She tried to calm herself. It would only make things worse if she lost control, but there was so much she needed to say. Years of putting up with her uncle's odd ways. He wouldn't even explain why she had violet eyes. Enough! He growled, anger finally getting the better of him. He held her arm for a moment before letting go. Old fingers brushed through grey hair as he took a deep breath and sat down on the cabin step. Once he had regained his composure, he continued with a more soothing tone. Maybe you're right, Elora. I've gotten so used to you being my little Minu that I hadn't realized how much you've grown. I suppose I'm getting to that age where memories become a little harder to find, harder to explain straight. Could be you're as ready as you'll ever be. Elora struggled to believe what she was hearing. She was quiet, anxious not to say the wrong thing and dissuade Nat from his apparent change of heart. She gave a weak nod, encouraging him to go on. He remained quiet for a moment, the silence dragging out as it had before, but with less of a charge in the atmosphere. Not now, not this minute. Let's enjoy the rest of this afternoon. Tomorrow will be the day of explaining. We can talk then, although you might not like what you're going to hear. Ignorance is bliss, after all. Elora opened her mouth, her words escaping before she had a chance to reel them in. Ignorance is for people who are too stupid or too cowardly to face the truth. She inwardly cursed herself. He would change his mind for sure. And the truth could ruin your life, Nat said. 
Knowledge can't be undone, can't be forgotten, but you know your own mind, Elora. The decision's yours. Without missing a beat, Elora replied, I want to know. Nat rose back to his feet and put his arms out to her. She went to his embrace. She hugged him back and rested her head against his chest, feeling the heart beating beneath his khaki shirt. Sorry I called your boat stupid. He kissed the top of her head. I knew you didn't mean it. Besides, she's as much yours as mine. Now, get some rest. We're leaving early. Alright, there we go. Thank you guys so much for listening today. If you enjoy these indie author spotlights, I'd love to hear from you. I want to know what you guys want to hear. So, get in touch with me. All the contact links are down below, as well as all the contact links to get in touch with Adrian and tell him that you like this book. Tell him that you heard about him on Another World Audiobooks. It's just a great way for us as a community to work together to, you know, lift people up as much as we can. We'll be coming back tomorrow with another chapter of this book. So we got three episodes going on here. So if you enjoyed it so far, make sure to tune in for that episode tomorrow. Things really get crazy. Thanks so much for listening today, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 